Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. You've got questions, we've got answers. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, we're bringing real answers to help you live and love your grit and grace life. Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm Darlene Brock. Hey, girl. Hey, I'm Julie Bender. Julie, you look lovely <laughs> today. I laughed. <laughs> I don't look lovely, but it's totally fine. Yeah, you came makeupless. I walked in. I was like, I was gonna put on makeup, but why? But yours looks great today, actually. I feel like you're wearing a darker eyeshadow. Am I, I am. right? Yeah. What do I you like think? It. Do you like well, it? I literally was like, dang it! Now I wish I had eyeshadow on. You look so cute. <laughs> yeah, I have a couple appointments today, so oh, I have okay. to go out and face real people, not you. Real. Well, people. I went out and faced real people, and still <laughs> I was like, meh. We're just gonna phone that in. It's fine. But the truth is, and what we like to say here is, beauty is more more than skin deep dang it it is it is and there have been crazy but you know we all want to feel good about ourselves so there have been crazy things absolutely crazy things that women have done or are doing now to make themselves beautiful certainly none of the things we're talking about in this list are still being done now dar actually we need to whistleblow them if that's the case yes okay have you heard of a nightingale facial Yes. You have? Well, because, because I wrote it, it on down. The paper. Okay, well, for the rest of us, a nightingale facial is literally bird poop on your face. Stop it. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. Well, it is. I mean, I guess it does take paint off your car. Maybe it'll take years off your face. <laughs> gross. <laughs> it is gross. Disgusting. This one, and it's still happening, as is the nightingale one, it is called the tie slap facial. All right. So what it is, is apparently the facialist starts massaging. Did you make that up? Facialist? Is that the right word? Facialist. We're going to be I don't get Just facials. keep going. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, she starts by massaging your face that leads to a slap that progressively leads to her beating a snot out of your face. <laughs> Okay, it's supposed to help circulation. I'm like, you know, if I want that, I could slap myself or go to some dark alley. I am not going to pay for this. Okay, well, all the rage now. I know for a fact this is still happening. I've been invited to do it, but I'm a wimp. Cryotherapy is placing yourself in a controlled temperature chamber with a negative 165 degrees Fahrenheit. Have you done this? No. I don't trust anybody to get the temperature right. <laughs> There's no way. I mean, what if they put it up too high? I don't know. Exactly. Dangerous. Yeah. But it's very, very trendy. Yeah. Now, I have done this one. A salt cave. Mm. There's actually one nearby here if you want to try it. Nope. You're supposed to spend 45 minutes in a salt cave to detoxify. The problem is you're just supposed to lay there and not do anything. Is it like a sauna? It's just, just a salt salty. cave and you're laying. You're Can laying you bring your phone it? in? Well... That's the problem. You're, you you can. I did it with Lauren, my eldest daughter. Okay, we just thought we'd try it. And I'm laying there, and I pull my phone out, and I start working on my phone, and Lauren's like, Mom, that's against the rules in here. <laughs> so Lauren. Yeah, so Lauren. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm so bored I could scream. So I didn't do well with it. Okay, well, during the Renaissance, women would create a mixture of quicklime and arsenic to remove their hair yikes they would boil the concoction and pour it onto their legs wiping it off just before the skin started to peel off uh glad we're not doing that one anymore i mean i could see why that would happen but wow thank god we live when we live now all right the 1940s there were things called vacuum helmets 
or glamour bonnets. Yeah. Talk about marketing. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they weren't glamorous at all. But you basically put this helmet on your head and reduce air pressure around your head, apparently stimulating blood circulation. I kind of think you'd pass out. <laughs> it's just really, really unfortunate. I mean, those are some crazy things. And the truth is, is what was considered beauty of old included black lacquered teeth, a unibrow made of goat's hair, even removing your eyelashes. Wait, wait, too soon. Too close to home. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I pull mine out when I get stressed. But okay, moving on. Today, it seems eternal youth is considered beautiful. But that's not what real beauty is. This week, I'm actually really excited about this guest because she is our managing editor at Grit and Grace Life and a dear friend. It's true. Today, we are joined by one of our favorites, Ashley Johnson, who is living with alopecia areata. It's an autoimmune disease that creates hair loss, and she has had to assess how that affects her self-perception in a world that is so driven by what beauty is. Today, we're going to talk with Ashley and give our own opinions on what true beauty really is and where we find it. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us today, and I personally love that you're here with your beautiful face in person with us. Hi, guys. I'm so happy to be here. It's so fun. I've never done this with you all. So fun. All right, we do this with all our guests, so we're going to do it with you too, even though we might know the answer to it. What is a day in the life of Ashley like? Oh, well, right now it's actually, we're kind of in a sweet season of life as our, in our family. So I'm married, I have two kids, and um, I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old, and they are both in school for the first time, at least part-time. So they're loving school. Um, I'm loving a little bit of independence to, you know, work on some things that I enjoy and just have a little more time. And so it's a lot more driving and things like that. But um, I'm enjoying seeing them learn and enjoy just the classroom environment. And um, like I said, I'm just enjoying having a little time to myself and work more and um, have some space to think and Um, do things that I enjoy. So Mm, I think space to think for moms is like precious time. (laughs) Yes. Well, we're so glad that because you have a little more time, you can be with us today. Um, We've actually known each other for how long? I was thinking about this. I think it's been like 13 years. Shut up. Yeah. You've grown up right before my very eyes. I know. Uh, So Ashley and I were friends and worked together before we worked together at Grit and Grace. And we've gotten to, you know, go through a lot of life's journey for both of us together. And then we've known Dar a lot of that time well as well and so we know a lot of your story and when you discovered that you had alopecia but can you tell us a little bit about what it was like and how you discovered it yeah so um julie you've been around for most of it um and dar you've seen a lot of it except i really don't think either of you were there at the beginning of it which really was the hardest part i think um i'll never forget it was july 4th 2010 and I had like thick, tons of thick hair. And so anytime I like curled it, it was like, this is a commitment, you know? <laughs> and so I remember that day, I'm like, I'm going to go to a 4th of July party. I'm going to curl my hair. And I'll never forget like sitting down and sectioning off a piece of my hair and just like, it was just a piece was, a section was gone. And I, um, I pulled more back and I looked like, I kept pulling more back and I kept seeing this spot that was bigger and bigger and it was like the size of a baseball of just hair just gone and I ended up having another one on the back of my head and I had so much hair that I didn't even notice that that much of my hair was gone um and I had just gotten my hair done like a month prior to that so I know it happened in like a month because 
she would have noticed she's been doing my hair forever so anyway I just remember like you know your mind is it just goes to the worst case scenario what is wrong and um the days that followed how, how old were you so 20, this was 13 years ago but how old were 21 you? okay I think Oof. yeah 21 so and I was so shallow I mean I was like Oh, every 21-year-old. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm shallow now, and I'm 39. So, like, but so, that's a pivotal time of your yeah, life. You're coming yeah. into your own, really. Yeah, it was it was really hard. And so um, the days that followed, I saw a couple different doctors, and they diagnosed me with alopecia areata, which I, I didn't even know what it was. Yeah. Um, and what I learned really felt like a nightmare <laughs> to me at the time. Um, I remember one of the doctors saying, you know, it can be, like, a mild case can you can lose these patches of hair and you know it could grow back and you may never have this problem again or you could get more it could come and go it could be just this season of your life or it could come and go throughout your life or I mean you could lose all of your hair your eyebrows your eyelashes your body hair forever you just don't know so the only predictable thing about alopecia is that it's simply unpredictable I'd wow. slap <laughs> I yeah I just remember it was like I can like even just thinking about it, I just still feel that feeling yeah. you know it's like it feels unreal um I feel like have you ever had a dream where you know you you're missing your your front teeth mm-hmm. and you wake up and you're like you instantly just put your your hands mm-hmm. to your to your teeth to make sure they're there mm-hmm. and it was like that is like what my life feels like right now except I can't wake up from it it's mm-hmm. just it was horrible. And so, um, yeah, it just, it was, it, it, I don't think it's dramatic to say that it was very traumatic. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so, so what was the treatment like? What was, what was the next kind of steps once you discovered what you had? How, what did you do next? I've seen over the course of the years, I, I have really supportive, great parents. I have a really, now, it, this was at the time I wasn't married, but of a really wonderful husband who's taken me to the Mayo Clinic and you know I've seen like the best doctors there's not really anything that you can really do they don't know why it occurs they don't know I mean there's some things you can try but I just and I and I did try some treatments they have like steroid injections that you can do in your scalp it's supposed to decrease the inflammation around the hair follicles which the constriction from the inflammation is what causes them to fall out Mm -hmm. but you know it just didn't really seem to work for me so after a while I kind of just let go of the treatments and things like that and um, just trusted the Lord really with the future of my life which that I think is the blessing in disguise of all of it is that I went from you know just everything being on my shoulders to realizing I can't get through one day (laughs) feeling like you know the future is totally up in the air and I don't know what my future is going to look like but you know I have to just trust that the Lord is doing this for my good and there's purpose in it and he's going to make something beautiful out of it and um, 13 years later I can look back and say that is true Mm. he did that I don't have my hair right now but I would never trade my life for what I had before you know for a full head of hair there's a practical emotional side of this too in addition to realizing you have this disease am i pretty anymore Mm -hmm. what do i look like i've lost this hair or i've lost my eyebrows i don't really like the way i look and i don't want anybody to see me looking like this that's those all have to be emotions you have 
did you and how did you deal with it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, all of those things. I had been in a, a like five-year relationship at the time of my diagnosis and that we broke up maybe like a month after um, that. And so, you know, at the time I remember thinking like, I think the only person who could love me through this is walking away, you know, and will I ever, like, will anybody ever think I'm beautiful if this is, you know, what I'm experiencing? Will I ever have the dream come true of mine to get married and have a family? And um, because I felt like that is the only thing that mattered, you know, and so, so yeah, I struggled with those things. Um, I am thankful that I had an amazing support system who always reminded me, you know, those are lies that is not true. Um, and really it was, it was the first time in my life that I had to dig deeper. You know, I had to, um, look at myself and not like what I see in in a lot of ways, (laughs) you know, it started with the outward appearance, but it really turned inward and realizing, you know, there's so much in me that I don't like. And um, I I really walked through a period of time where it was self-discovery and realizing I can do a lot more than I thought I could. I can endure a lot more than I thought I could. And there's a Psalm 34 says, those who look to the Lord are radiant. And um, to me, that was something I clung to because in these moments where I hated looking in the mirror, you know, I felt like I was looking at a stranger or not like I felt like a total loss of identity. I had to look to the Lord to get through those moments. And I felt like those moments, the Lord instilled in me a beauty that is intangible. You can't, you can't take that away. And I learned the beauty of the depth of character, you know, Um, something I could never produce in myself, but this has shaped me into somebody who has more character. It is absolutely one of the most beautiful things about you is to know you and to know your heart and to know that this experience has been really hard on you but you love in such a deep way and you carry yourself in such a remarkably deep way that the people who are in your life benefit so greatly from it so I hope you know that to be true it's really sweet thank you well, practically speaking, we want to discuss, you know, you, you've had to live with this very life-altering experience. And, you know, we're sitting over here. Dar and I joked earlier about the fact that I didn't have makeup on today. And, you know, I pull my eyelashes out when I get stressed and I get fake, you know, lash extensions. And right now I don't have them on. And I can be like, oh, I'm embarrassed that I don't have lashes right now, which is nothing compared to what you've walked through. But I don't think we really need to be comparing, no. you know, what this struggle might look like for us as women when we do sometimes get off base with where our true beauty comes from. I mean, are we supposed to not care at all what we look like or how we might be perceived by others? Is that what a strong, godly woman is able to do at all times? You know, with as someone who's walked this, what are your thoughts on that? When I don't have hair, I mean, I've got, I've had seasons of everything, you know, patches of hair, no hair, seven years in between of a full head of hair. So I, I feel like I've kind of experienced the gamut as far as what the um, disease um, can bring. So in the seasons of no hair, I wear a wig, you know, um, and I do that because it makes me feel like me. It makes me, you know, I, if I dress up 
in a dress or something, I want to feel feminine. And I think that the Lord made us that way. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're created. It's a piece of us. So I don't, you know, I've, I've had those questions myself. Is it vain that I'm not one of those women that walks around embracing the bald? Yeah. <laughs> And I think it's fine if people do want to do that. I I applaud those people. But I also think it's okay to want to feel like it makes me feel like me. It makes me feel like a whole person. You know, people who are missing an arm and have a prosthetic, it makes them feel more whole. And I think that's fine. Um, I think it's okay to want to feel beautiful. And I think if you look at our world, God created it with beauty, right? And so... Obviously, he cares about aesthetics. Mm-hmm. I think that it's only natural for people who are made it like him to care about beauty. But I do think, obviously, like anything, we can become obsessed with it. And so I think there's a, a just a line of, and we all cross it. We go mm-hmm. back and forth, mm-hmm. you know, um, about caring and not caring. And, and that's just the nature of being human. But um, I think it's fine to care. Um, I just think it, it can't consume us. Well, and aging has a whole nother layer to it because you watch yourself change. You you change drastically at a young age. But, you know, I can look back and go, all right, my eye wrinkles used to bother me till my forehead wrinkles bothered me, till my mouth wrinkles bothered me, till my neck bothered me. And it's like gnats. You're just, you're attacking them one at a time and you're not liking what's happening. So, you know, you deal with it however you're comfortable dealing with it. But I think part of this conversation is where is our value? Mm -hmm. Is is my value in the fact that I am aging and it's showing? Or is my value in my years of life have made me someone unique, given me wisdom, given me understanding, given me grace because I've experienced it, giving me compassion because I've needed it. I say we can still work to look as good as we can at any age, but at the same time, if our value changes on what we think real beauty is, then we can tackle these things. And all of us have things we don't like about ourselves. We can tackle it in a way that goes, I'm so much more than that. So I'm curious, what do you guys think? Is there a line, especially as Christian women, is there a line where we're called to, you know, be okay with how we are without putting any additional effort or intention into it? How do we know? Because you said, Ashley, you know, we all cross it. Where is that line? How do we know? And what are some things that we maybe need to be reminded of or can help us hold ourselves and each other accountable to not crossing that line? You like how I ask the question so I don't have to answer? <laughs> and go. That was slick, Julie. Remember, I don't have makeup on today, so I'm doing good. So I also have two inches of roots on my hair. I yeah. saw you look at them, Dar. I did. <laughs> I judged you. I got to get my handyman husband on that. <laughs> you know, I don't know that I have an answer to that. Um, obviously, there's a lot of things in life we don't really know the answer to. But I think that one thing is, you know, calling out the beautiful things we see in each other that have nothing to do with outward appearance. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the things that I love about, I mean, Julie, I think you're beautiful, but like, that's not what I think of when I think of you. You know, I think of strong and capable and a leader and a woman of integrity and somebody who shows up when other people might not, you know, and and I feel like 
it's taught me to speak those things out, you know, and Dar, I could go on and on about you too. I think you're beautiful as well. I hope that when I'm your age, I look half as good as we you. We don't discuss her age on oh, the show. Oh, sorry. I'm kidding. Well, <laughs> it's just old. We don't put a number on it. That's all. But yeah, but I mean, no, whatever. But I like, but that's not what I think is most beautiful about you. I love that you care more about the success of someone else than yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that you have children and grandchildren who adore you and the reason why is because you're so wonderful and you're so um like you take care of yourself but you're not self-centered you know and so um I just think it's important to speak those things out about the people you love um and I try to do that with my daughter not just I mean she is beautiful you have beautiful curls and beautiful blue eyes but I tell her all the time you are have such determination you are going to do so many awesome things as you grow up I can't wait to cheer you on you know um anyway so I think that's one thing is just as women not making that our sole focus I love that Ashley but there's also something that I I want to throw in here and that is each of us have almost a threshold of what where we cross to feel good about ourselves or not and I think we need to be careful to not judge one another, mm-hmm. to say, well, you know, if you did this treatment or went to the plastic surgeon or if you dye your hair or if you, you know, shave your legs, whatever it is, then you're not being, you're not accepting God's beauty. Mm-hmm. You're doing something else instead. And the reality is we all have different thresholds of what we're comfortable with. It's fine as long as that is not our idol as long as that is does not become more important than everything else in your life, as long as your beauty is not what you strive for solely, but instead you strive to be a woman that God would say you're doing well. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think we all have different levels of conviction too. I mean, and it's important in general not to judge one another based on the decisions that they make as long as they're not immoral you know, or harming someone else or themselves. And I totally agree with you on that. I think ultimately it's a heart issue, right? You know, and, and the truth is if, and when we're honest with ourselves, we know when we're doing something out of a vain intention or even an insecure, you know, intention of I have to do this or I won't be worthy enough to face others. That's a lie from the enemy. Or, you know, I deserve to do whatever it takes to be the best looking woman in the room or whatever might, we might, that's like a sliding scale, right? We know on the inside what our true motivation is. And that's where there's a personal accountability and an accountability with others who love us who can say, hey, is this really what you need to be doing? Or if this is what you need to do and it comes from a true heart space, then we've got each other's back and we can say, wear the lashes or don't wear the lashes, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. knowing you know that your heart, where your heart truly is and what your beliefs about yourself really are and what your beliefs about how you'll be perceived by others if that's in a healthy space. Well, and I think there's a, there can be a point where you love someone enough to say something to them if you see them going too far. I had that happen to me after my first daughter was born and I had gained like 50 pounds and I'm not that big. So you had 50 pounds. I would have loved to have seen that. Oh, I was big. Um, But after she was born, I became obsessive. I became, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to lose weight, till I got down to, I think, like 93 pounds. I was way too thin. I was at a concert of one of my bands, 
And of all people, one of the band guys came up to me and went, Dar, you got to quit it. I went, quit what? And he said, quit losing weight. You look bad. And he walked away. <laughs> okay. How to love a man like yeah. that. And I'm like, oh, I look bad. And it was like that moment made me reassess why was I doing this? And I was actually harming myself at that point. And you, you shift gears. So sometimes I think you've got to be willing to go, and probably not like he did, but go, you know what? I love you enough to tell you this. Yeah. I love you enough to help you not care about this because I think you're amazing as you are. Dar, I appreciate you sharing that about that season of your life because I think those of us listening and those of us sitting at the tables, we've all got areas of our life where we can look back and think, yeah, I was maybe looking in the wrong places for my value or my worth or what my true beauty was in that season. And thankfully, something happened, whether I lost my hair, my beauty, my you know, power position that made me feel valuable, or I grew up a little bit and, you know, I, I was able to mature and where I'm getting my value. I think ultimately we want to be women who have a true understanding of where our real beauty comes from. And sometimes that comes from experiencing loss. I mean, Ashley, you mentioned that you had had this five-year relationship that ended right as you were going through all of this. I could imagine that that was a really confusing and devastating addition to what you were going through. But I also know that you married an incredible man. So can you fill us in a little bit more about that? Because I would need to know that if I didn't already. <laughs> well, Stephen's easy to talk about. So um, that's my husband now. And uh, it's pretty neat because we were friends um, through some of that season of my life. and. It's funny, he, when I met him, I was wearing a wig. He didn't know that I was wearing a wig. <laughs> um, and then my hair grew back, um, totally. And we had been friends for a couple of years, and I always um, just really liked him a lot as a person and um, enjoyed him. And so anyway, um, when we started dating, I had my hair, and as things got ser more serious, you know, I told him about my hair and this is something that you know could happen again I'd need you to know that you know and he was like that's what you're gonna tell me I, I, I <laughs> he's like was... I might lose my hair too <laughs> yeah alert. and we both have and so <laughs> we joke about that like our kids probably think you grow up and you're an adult and everybody loses their hair because it's just what happens in our house um no but uh he has been yeah so I mean we got married I had hair I, I really didn't start losing it again until we had our second child um, and you know, I, I walked through the loss again with him and, um, in a way it was easier because I had this wonderful person by my side, um, and I knew he was going to be there with me, but it's still so hard to feel that vulnerable and feel ugly in front of the person that you want to think you're beautiful, you know? And so, um, I've, that we've, you know, for the most part, I'm pretty okay with it. But there's definitely my days where I'm like, I feel like I've aged 20 years and two. I'm so sorry, you know, and he's the best. He doesn't look at me that way. He always builds me up. And um, I'm really grateful for that. You know, I think that's a perfect example of someone who looks to the real beauty of another person. And that's one thing we want to talk about is what do we think is real beauty you know beauty does fade you age beauty can be lost by illness or it can be lost by circumstances and your life can change 
So what constitutes that when you see the very old woman in the nursing home that is so precious that you're drawn to her with all of her wrinkles and all of her age spots? What is it about her that you're drawn to? And it has to do with her heart, with her character, with what she's invested her life in. I keep thinking too of how you make someone else feel. You know, like we get so worried about how we're perceived, how we look, but ultimately, if we're honest, we care about how the person we're with makes us feel. Mm -hmm. Right? Like you're talking about Stephen made you feel beautiful. Mm -hmm. That was his character shining through and calling up your character. And so I think at the end of the day, we, you know, we leave a mark on somebody and it's not what our looks are. Mm -hmm. It's how we make them feel. And if we call out the best in them as a result of the good that's in us. Yeah. And I also think attitude, you know, I mean, I, I, you're talking about this old woman. How many old people do we know here in Florida that have like a horrible attitude, you know, and that really, and I can't imagine, you know, I live with discomfort. It's, I live in Florida. I have something on my head at all times. I'm hot. I'm, I get headaches easily. Like I am uncomfortable more than I'm comfortable. And I see in myself uh, when my attitude shifts, you know, to feeling sorry for myself, I'm not kind to the people around me. But when I am, when my attitude is in the right place, I feel like um, I'm just, I'm a better person. And so I think that our attitude stays with us our whole life, you know? And so I think that, I don't know, how many old women have you seen that have a great attitude and you just love them? Yeah. So that's something we can control, you know? It's true. And Ashley, you spent a few minutes talking wonderfully about Julie and I. (laughs) What I do want to say is we could say the same about you. You are a woman who loves well. You're strong. You are courageous. And I know sometimes you don't feel that way, but you are extremely courageous and willing to grow and learn to become everything that matters, not just what you look like on any given day, but to become that woman that will be that old woman that you want to be around. There, there have to be some things that you would say you would encourage women to invest in, things that they can do to grow and to become everything that they were created to be. Tell us those. Yeah, I mean, um, I think that something that I've had to do myself, and I'm, you know, the thing about suffering, <laughs> suffering, that sounds like such a dramatic word, but the thing about walking through something like I have at an earlier age is that I'm given the gift of, you know, wisdom that the Lord has given me through the situation. I wouldn't have it unless I walked through it at this age. Um, and so, I've learned to build into myself in other ways, you know, things that don't fade. So, you know, into my mind, I want to read, I want to learn, I want to listen to other people and hear their perspective and maybe not always take it on, but be willing to listen and understand um, and love those people for exactly who they are. Um, Even if we disagree, that's changed in me. Um, I also feel like building into your community you know the longevity of a life well lived has so many ripple effects you know so the way that we love our children our neighbors um things like that is just 
those are things that even after you're gone, you, you know, you're going to you're going to make an impact. I'm just over here crying. It's fine. You don't have to make makeup I'm on. It's on fine. <laughs> I just feel like you really embody these things. And I've known you for a long time. And I've never thought that you've had a bad attitude with what you've gone through. And I always come away feeling like I want to be more like Ashley. So thank you for sharing your story and reminding me that you're the kind of woman I want to be. That in spite of difficult things and things that would make the world tell us that we've lost our value you have just increased your value and you find a way to pass that on to others and i want to be like that i want to use the things that have happened in my life to build into my character and allow me to gain wisdom like you said because we do how many times have we talked about on this show that we're all going to go through things that are going to shape us and it's either going to shape us for the better or for the worse Mm -hmm. and as much as i love to be a beautiful woman i (laughs) hope at the end of the day at the end of my life that I'm known for the way I made other people feel and the character that I portrayed and the wisdom that I shared from the things that I've walked. And so we want you guys to feel listener friends, to feel confident in pursuing things that make you feel beautiful. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, we want to be women who find our true beauty and our strength and who God already says we are in pursuing him to represent him. And that will be a beauty that will never, ever fade. Ashley, we appreciate you being here and sharing your story. And, you know, we say at Grit and Grace Life that real beauty is found in a woman's strength, and you indeed are truly beautiful. Well, thanks, guys. I feel like I owe so much of that to both of you and your influence. So thank you for having me and being my friends through thick and thin, literally. (laughs) (laughs) Thick and thin hair. Amazing. We've never been able to say it that way. Freaking true. Yep. Well, Dar, I don't know which verse you're going to choose here. They're both so good, but pick one to wrap up the show. This comes from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. Well, I just want to encourage you guys to go to the show notes because as much as Ashley has shared with us today, she has countless articles over at Grit and Grace that share other parts of her story where she has been challenged and grown. And don't forget to always be checking gritandgracelife.com for whatever area you might be struggling with. Ashley, as our editor, can attest to the fact that there is an article there to encourage you. So thanks for being with us and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life. Make sure you've subscribed and rated and reviewed the show so more friends can find us. You can also share about this episode on your social media or send it to a friend you think it could help. You can find everything we talked about in this episode on our website, gritandgracelife.com, where you'll also find plenty of other articles from other women answering questions you may have.